Hello everybody and welcome to Murray's Minutes, brought to you by me, Murray Minter 75. Second episode in our weekly podcast series, talking about everything that's happened in Scottish and English football this week. Also, let me ask you all a question, is dementia a real threat to football players? I've also got some questions asked by you, the fans, uh, and I'm hopefully going to try and give you as best an answer as I possibly can. But please enjoy the podcast and let's see where we go from here. Okay, everybody, let's start the podcast by talking about what's happened in Scotland this weekend. Celtic thumped Ross County 6-0. Hearts and Rangers played out a 1-1 draw. Hamilton held Hibs to a 1-1 draw. Kilmarnock and Livingston played out a 2-1 win for Kilmarnock. Aberdeen comprehensively thumped Motherwell 3-0. And St Murren played out a 2-0 win over St Johnston. Now, obviously, with the results as they are, Celtic are now back on top. Rangers are now back on se- back in second spot. Uh, a lot of upheaval still at Hibs with uh, the fans being really, really unhappy with Heckenbottom and how he is conducting himself. Um, I can't, unfortunately, I can't really speak about the, the other teams, unfortunately. You know, these guys are... They've done their jobs this weekend and obviously the, the fans will be happy. But to go back to what I said about uh, Hibs and Heckenbottom there, I made a video obviously this weekend about how unhappy a lot of the Hibs fans are about the way that he is conducting himself just now. Um, unfortunately, that seems to have been the trend of the season where Hibs are playing some relatively okay football and the next thing you know, you know, we, we're not putting teams away. Uh, I seem to be hearing this quite a lot where Hibs are playing teams, not off the park, but are playing playing really, really good football and coming away with nothing. Certainly the last four matches have, have uh, backed that claim up that the performances, although okay, the results are not being there. And I know that a lot of Hibs fans are unhappy. I myself are one of them. I'm not happy with the way that things are going in the uh, going at the club just now. Obviously, um, you know, Camberry's had a, a wee bit of an outburst in at the weekend there saying that, you know, for his chances at playing in the Euros next next year, he's going to have to leave Hibs because Heckenbottom is not giving him the time on the pitch. And bearing in mind what happened there on Saturday, I can ha- I can hardly blame him. He's been on the bench the last couple of games, um, and you know he was brought on with what a minute or two to spare, two two three minutes, whatever it was against Hamilton on Saturday. But the thing is, I mean, you can't you know you can't you know play this guy, right? Unfortunately, no matter what way we want to look at it, this this guy is a player. He's a good he's a good player. He scores goals. Yes, he needs. A bit of service behind him, I think that's fair to say, but he still scores goals. So the fact that we're we're dropping him for somebody, unfortunately, like Christian Deutsch, who no disrespect to him, I actually like what Christian Deutsch tries to bring to the team and he tries to, you know, he tries to hold the ball up, he tries to, you know, and involve other players in play. Yes, he's lacking a, a lot of confidence just now. I think that's really fair to say. Um and I think it's just unfortunate the fact that again we seem to be having this this debate that you know why are we only going one one up top against teams like Hamilton, who unfortunately I'm sorry and maybe I will sound extremely harsh for one but to say yes although Hamilton Academical Football Club are in the SPL on merit you know obviously they they relegated Tibbs back in twenty. 
13, 14. They've stayed there ever since. But, I mean, I don't... As I've said in that video that I've done on the channel, I just do not see what they bring to the top flight. They've got a stadium there that's only got two two stands. They're regularly outnumbered by away supporters. They bring next to no support. They've got the, the, the awful plastic pitch. Um, I mean, their ambition at the start of every season is purely to stay in the league. They do not care about pushing up the league, potentially, you know, trying to break into the top six or, you know, be bo uh, be top of the bottom six or anything like that. To me, they just do not show any ambition. That's my opinion. Obviously, I'm going to leave it to the floor and see what you guys think of that. Um, you know, it's, it's purely at this moment in time, it's, it's just opinions. But, I mean, where do Hibs go for here? That's, I think, a, a question that a lot of people will be answer will be asking. I mean, personally speaking, I, I, I've said it again, I said it in the video, I don't think that Paul Heckenbottom is the man to take Hibs forward. We have gone backwards massively. You know, the football that we're playing just now is not great. We seem to be really, really bereft of conf confidence. Um, and in my opinion, you know, that all stems for the that all stems for the manager. The manager is there to try and bring players up in their game. He's obviously trying to make them better players, but again, he is trying to give these guys confidence. So when you've got so that was cats running by there. If anybody hears that on the microphone, um, you know, if you've got a manager there that can instill confidence in you, you know, the rest follows. And unfortunately, to me. Hecky just doesn't seem to be doing that. I think, you know, when you look at him on the sidelines, he just himself looks completely bereft of any form of confidence. And I think that's stemming through, you know, the whole you know, the whole team just now. Um how 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 much longer do we do we let this go on? Because in my opinion, this is virgin on the absolute farcical um as to how much Hibs can actually afford to to let this carry on, they've got a massive game against Ross County um, on Saturday next week, um, you know, and then they've just got that small matter of a, a Scottish uh, Scottish League Cup semi final against uh, Celtic at the National Stadium, and I mean, to be honest, I mean, even if Hibs were by some miracle, if we were to go on and go to the final of that competition. And if they were to go on and win it, I still don't think that would be enough to appease, appease the fans. I think that the way that the club is just now, and the, as, as I've said, the way that the team is, I just don't think a lot of fans would stand for it. I mean, Hibs have got a certain way of playing, and that is obviously, you know, they have to entertain their fans. That was the legacy that was left by the famous five. You know, this team are not doing that. I mean, I'm being honest, I don't care if... If Hibs were, for example, say Hibs were to go on a, on a run of 10, 15, 20 games unbeaten, but they were winning 1-0 in, in that time, I still wouldn't be very happy because, yes, although you are winning, you're no, you're no entertained, you know, you're no, you're no going to matches going, and what a good match that was. You're just nothing, you know, you're just, all right, we won, perfect. You know, to me, that's no, that's no way that... A football fan should be a football fan should always go to a game to be entertained to leave that stadium going do you know what I really enjoyed that game I'm coming back next week that's how it should be but the football just now and the whole atmosphere I think around Hibs just now is just not enjoyable 
I think there's a real cloud hanging over the club just now, and where where we go from here, I just don't know. Um, but anyway, right, I'm going to start speaking about Hibs now. I mean, as I've already said that in this podcast, guys, you know, Celtic are back on the top of the, the, the league just now. I mean, they comprehensively thumped Ross County at the weekend there, and I think it's fair to say that's probably been, that was a the glove thrown down to Rangers to say, you know, this is w- what we can do. You know, come and, come and stop us sort of thing. And I mean, in fairness to Rangers, you know, they have kept up with Celtic. Do I think Rangers have got enough in the tank to win the league? Hand on heart, no. I mean, yeah, I would like I would like there to be a title race because as a neutral, you know, it's it's exciting to watch. But at the same instance, you know, I just don't think Rangers have got enough in the tank. Steven Gerrard has done a good job at Rangers. Let's make no mistake about it. He's he's done a good he's done a good job in terms of he has managed to bridge the gap he has not managed to close it unfortunately um you know I heard a lot of Rangers fans saying that when they went top of the league you know that's it you know we're we're back sort of thing you know they were back this time last year when they were level on points at Christmas time with Celtic and they fell away for whatever reason they just you know they fell away and I mean you look at games against like say like you look at the Hearts game there on on uh, Sunday that would have been a game that Rangers would have been looking to win, especially now with the way that Hearts are. The same way Celtic would have been expecting to beat Hibs with the way that they are. But, you know, both teams seem to have, you know, underestimated us and they fell away. Um, as I've already said, I think Stephen Gerrard has done a good job at Hibs just now. Eh, at Hibs, beg your pardon. I think Stephen Gerrard has done a good job at Rangers, but, I mean, as I've already said, is it is it going to be enough to really hold on to a title charge? I don't know, uh, and I don't think that's going to happen, to be wholeheartedly honest. Right, okay, I'm going to move on now to south of the border, and it was quite an exciting weekend in the uh, English top flight, I think that's fair to say. Obviously, you know, there was a lot, a lot of con- controversy over the weekend in regards to VAR. You know, VAR was used in the Leicester-Burnley game, Tottenham and um, Watford and probably, you know, uh, sorry, in the Wolves and Southampton game as well. So three matches on the Saturday, highly controversial in my eyes, uh, especially the Tottenham game where the goal was checked, the referee gave the goal, but the person at Stockley Park didn't give the goal. Um, so there was a lot of confusion there, and obviously we had all the drama that unfolded yesterday with the Liverpool and Manchester United game, where there was a foul on the build-up to Manchester United's goal. The goal should have been ruled up, should have been chalked off, but it wasn't. Uh, obviously, Liverpool had a goal chalked off correctly. It has to be said. Um, you know that that draw uh, that game went on to be a draw, but I mean, listen, I am not. I'm not for VAR. I think that football, it just isn't the sport for VAR. And if they, I mean, if they were serious about it, in my opinion, the best way to go forward, and if they were really serious about, you know, really making a good fist to this, bring in rugby, the rugby referees to show um, the football referees what how to use the system. 
because you look at it in a rugby match, the respect the players have for the referee in, the, in rugby is absolutely outstanding. The way that a referee actually conducts himself in a rugby match is fantastic. On the other hand, you know, you see referees, especially up in Scotland, the standard the referee in is just sometimes absolutely abysmal. Um, and unfortunately, it opens the doors to, you know, it just opens the doors to however, you know, however many debates, or you've seen that, why didn't you give it? This happened, that happened, why didn't you give this, why didn't you give that? And to me, it just opens up the door for a whole lot of debate and it's debate that doesn't need to be had. VAR, in my opinion, should only be used for black and white decisions, i.e., you know, he's offside. Even then, it's, you know, even then, it's opening to a wee bit of debate. Um, you look at it, I mean, a referee's decision, obviously through the game, is meant to be subjective. Stop the, the the referees at Stockley Park as well are meant to be subjective. They can obviously advise the referee that wait a minute, you've missed something here. Maybe go and have another look. Now that doesn't happen in the the English top flight. They don't have the screens on the side of the pitch, which is wrong because a referee is that now in limbo to say, well, did I get that right? Have I, have I missed something? If, if, if you're really going to make a fisty VR, the best thing to do is, as I've already said, have the, the screen on the side of the pitch, let the referee make the mistake, When if the players ask for the decision to be checked, the VR referee checks the decision and says, I think this, but go and have a look on the screen, make your own mind up for there. And then the referee can sit there and say, no, I'm happy with that decision that I made, let's move on, or no, I've got that decision wrong, Let's. it's a penalty, it's a free kick, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And, you know, that's just, that is just obviously one weekend, you know, I've heard people say that it's going to take VAR, you know, the best part of three years to really be used effectively. There's a lot of games in three years, and unfortunately, there's a potential there for a lot of mistakes. So, I'm going to start speaking about VAR now, uh, Unfortunately, you know, I spoke about this in the first podcast. I find myself speaking about it again, where there was a bit, uh, there was racism to deal with uh, this weekend in um, in football. It was a an FA Cup match between Harrogate Town and Yeovil, where the match was actually stopped and the match was abandoned because of the the racial abuse that the referee uh, the referee, I beg your pardon. Uh, racial abuse that the Harrogate Town goalkeeper was having to uh, put up with. Now, I said in the last podcast, I'm saying it again today, I cannot believe that in 2019 we still have racism to deal with. I cannot abide by that. I think it is just sickening at the fact that this kind of thing is still happening. And unfortunately... I can't. The the worst thing about it, I cannot see it ending anytime soon. I think this is going to carry on and carry on for a good wee while. The reason being, and this, you know, stick with me here, is the fact that I actually think that it's a societal issue, not so much a game issue. 
it's a societal issue where society is going to have to change before the game does. Okay? And I understand that, you know, that's obviously hard, but, you know, when, for example, you know, you have got people in your family, well, people who potentially, you know, you know, their family members could be for an older generation and are openly racist, that is obviously being put on to... Um, younger generations and that's just going on for there and the younger generations are thinking that that's okay to do and obviously it's not um as i've already said i think society needs to be changing before um before the game does i mean i see that the fa have done the no room for no room for racism campaign uh, the sfa obviously done show racism the red card and in the long and short yeah these campaigns are you know fairly successful well, I was going to say fairly successful, I suppose, bearing in mind that they've been around for however many years. Um, and as I say, I don't understand why that this just seems to be creeping back in. And the thing is, it's creeping back up in Scottish football as well. There was uh, allegations of the Alfredo Morelos being uh, racially abused by Hearts supporters. And, you know, unfortunately, both capital clubs just now are are not anywhere near the moral high horse because, you know, there's been incidents of racism both last season at Easter Road in Tynecastle and this season as well. So, I mean, where do we go from here? It's a big thing, it's a big question that obviously people are going to have to answer. Um, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, as I've already said, I think it's a society thing. I think society needs to change before the game does what that is and what that does by changing I don't know um I don't know how you change it but I mean it's it's pretty bad that again in 2019 this seems to be the this seems to be at the forefront again um it's pretty sad anyway um as I as I asked at the beginning of the program everybody you know I asked are footballers more more susceptible to uh, dementia and is dementia becoming uh, a creditable threat to footballers now unfortunately there has been a report commissioned this week where footballers are a th- what's it, three times more likely to develop dementia in their lifetime than the average Joe um, now unfortunately dementia is such a horrible thing and it is a horrible thing unfortunately I lost uh, both my grandparents to uh, dementia and Alzheimer's disease and it's I mean it's a horrible thing and I wouldn't wish it upon anybody but unfortunately what this report is basically saying is that footballers are uh, three times more likely to develop um, dementia because they're constantly headed in the football now obviously of course headering is a part of the game um being a bit of a traditionalist, I love to see the ball being headed. I love to see a defender uh, taking charge of a situation by heading the ball clear. You know, equally, I like to see an attacker going away and heading the ball into the net. Uh, I am a bit of a traditionalist in that sense, but I suppose in a lot of ways, heading is becoming kind of, I don't know what you could say, maybe a bit outdated, maybe. And the ball is obviously now starting to be more on the ground rather than, you know, 20, 30 years ago where it was just a big thump forward to the to the target man. I mean, this is the thing. I, I couldn't actually tell you that a team that, that has a target man these days, you know. Um, it's 
I, I, I just don't, I don't know a team that actually has a target man these days. Um, I mean, my wife and I have this argument all the time where, you know, she says that headering should be banned in the game. And although, you know, strictly speaking, she might not be wrong in what she says, but my argument to her is, is if you ban headering for the game, what's next? You know, do you ban slide tackles? Do you ban um, jumping for the ball? Do you ban, you know, any any physical contact? You know, are you going to get the, the players to come and play the game in, in, in slippers? You know what I mean? I mean, how are you, you know, what's next? And it's not just going to stop with football. Yeah, I mean, you look at the likes of boxing as well. Yes, I know that there was a young boxer who unfortunately passed away because he had a, a really bad brain injury in a fight and unfortunately that is tragic and it is, it's so tragic what has happened but unfortunately that's boxing, you know, you are going you are going into that ring to fight somebody so if you're going, for ex- as I said to my wife, you know, if you're going to ban headering for football, should you ban boxing? You know, should you, or uh, she said, "Why do you know put the the head guards on?" I said, "Because that's for amateur fighters. You know, it's not for professional fighters." And unfortunately, as I've already said, unfortunately, uh, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer in the sense that you know you're going to get people who are going to say, you know, it's it's the sport, it's the nature of things, and okay, you know, they're they're traditionalists like myself, but. Are they going to be more open if the stats are there in front of them to maybe change? I don't know. I mean, I think where football is concerned, it's a shame at the fact that these footballers are potentially, you know, going to be ill when they get to a, a sort of an elderly stage. But the thing that I found is, unfortunately, with the study that they done, it was on a lot of footballers from back in back in the day, where the balls were heavier. And the thing is, again, I mean, I'm only, listen, I'm only 31, but I remember going down the park on a Sunday and blocking, you know, blocking the ball with a good proper leather football, you know, and I remember walking up road and you've got the, the markings of the ball on your back and in your legs and things like that. And obviously, if you're headed in that football five days a week, that kind of football, that heavy leather football, it's it's obviously going to take its impact. A football in today's climate, it's not anywhere near as heavy as what balls used to be. Because if you think about it, an old football for back in the day, because it was made of leather and because it had stitching in it, whenever the ball was wet, the ball got heavier. Football Footballs today don't really have the stitching in them. They're all glued on by panels. And so obviously with less stitching there, they take on less water, they're lighter, um, they're not even leather anymore, they're more of a synthetic leather, so obviously they're, they're extremely light. Will that make a difference to a footballer of today's generation? I don't know. And as I've already said, you know, the way that I see things is, you know, it's, it's difficult because the, unfortunately at this moment in time, there is no right or wrong answer. You know, I mean, I I read a an article that there's um, uh, a team in America, or sorry, a, a a state in America that their children are not allowed to head the the ball, header in is banned. And for me, I think that's really really extreme. 
I just think that if you 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 are going to become a footballer, you have to be able to do all aspects of the game. That's my opinion. Again, I'm traditionalist, so of course I'm going to say that. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I will leave that to the floor. I mean, if you've got anything you know you want to say, you know, get in touch with me and let me know your uh, your your opinion on the matter. Uh, and that swiftly brings me on to uh, the last segment of uh, this podcast where I asked on Twitter and on Facebook and everything like that uh, during the week, you know, if you had a question for me, uh, please, by all means, you know, get in touch and I'll try my best to answer them. So the first one I'm going to ask here is from Stuart Anderson and he is basically asked, how much longer uh, do the current board allow this to uh, allow this situation at Hibs to carry on? Um Sure, if I'm being honest with you, bud, I don't know. I don't know how much longer the uh, the board gives Paul Heckenbottom. I do not think that the club are going... I don't think the club are going to sack him, to be honest. I think he's going to have to walk away of his own accord. And I think the man is too stubborn to walk away. So how much longer we have to put up with this, I really don't know. Uh, Michael Burns has asked, Do I think that Sir Tom Farmer has sold the club down the river? And at this moment in time, where is Ron Gordon? Now, obviously, I don't know where Ron Gordon is. I don't know if he's back in America or anything like that. I don't know, you know, where, where the guy is. Um, do I think Sir Tom Farmer sold the club down the river? H- hand on heart? No. I don't believe that Sir Tom would do that. Uh, I know that, obviously, when the announcement was made that the club had changed hands, uh he obviously was present at the press conference and to be honest, when I looked at Sir Tom Farmer, I thought he looked ill. And from from what I've heard, you know, the the man is not well. Um, but he always said, and his family have always said, that the club would never be sold to anybody if they did not have Hibs in mind. Um, and they didn't have the right finance and they didn't have the right ideas, the club wouldn't be sold to them. The club obviously has be, has passed hands to Ron Gordon, um, so he must have done something to impress Sir Tom Farmer if um, if he's been uh, if he's been sold the club. So again, I don't think the club was um, sold down the river, no. Um, next question is asked by my good friend Kevin Eddy, who's asked... Who's next? If Heckenbottom goes, um, you know, who's who's next in? To be honest with you, Kevin, mate, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who could possibly come in. I don't know who would want the job at this moment in time. I've heard people say Jack Rossi's name has been connected with it. Should Heckenbottom walk away or is sacked? I've heard people say Gordon Strachan. Again, I don't know. I just, I mean, I don't know and I, I couldn't give an answer. Um, just now, uh, as to as to what I think the club should do next, I've I've no idea to be honest with you. Um, okay, right, guys. I didn't, as I say, I didn't have many questions just now. I didn't have many questions. Uh, I have done my best to answer them as best I can. If you want a question answered in future podcasts, just let me know on Twitter. Uh, and Facebook and I shall try my best to answer them 
Uh, okay, I'm going to stop ranting and raving now. I have been talking for nearly half an hour now, and uh, obviously I've tried to be as informative as I possibly can in that time. If you have liked the podcast, please, please, please give it a listen. Go to YouTube and find my YouTube channel, MurrayMinter75. Please drop me a subscribe while you're there. Uh, find me on Twitter, it's at Murray1875, and find me on Instagram as well, it's MurrayMinter75. Uh, but that being said, guys, I will see you all next week with another podcast and we will see how we got on for there. But uh, as I say, enjoy your week and I shall see you next time.